0: It's March 30th, 2023. This is Rook. <laughs> Welcome to episode 251 of Rook. I'm Gian meshi Hello there from Toronto. Salam Dostan Aziz. Durut Bashamah. Hope you are well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. And I guess, um, Noruzitun Piruz still, right? We're still in the two-week window where we celebrate New Year's? Yes, we are. See, Persians can't just do th- things normally. <laughs> just that one New Year's <laughs> Eve, one celebration. One it's uh, two, two weeks we have to do. So happy Nowruz still to you. Mondono uh, Hazrai uh, coming up. She is uh, she's a great poet. Um, she's also, a, uh, I mean, she's sort of a multidisciplinary mm-hmm. artist. Um, she's a singer. Uh, she played the santur as a kid, wow. uh, played uh, various creative uh, pursuits, but also an architect mm-hmm. from the city of Keramon. Do you know anyone from Caramon? I
1: do. I have a friend from Uh ah.
0: Well, I, you know, it was an occasion for me to learn a bit about Caramon going mm-hmm. into this interview because I don't know a lot of people from Caramon. Okay. So I, I wanted to learn what that city is all about. It's not a, it's not a big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, somewhere between, say, Tehran and Balochistan in the mm-hmm. middle of Iran there. Um, pistachios.
1: I was going to say that's the one thing I know about And German. drugs. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs>
0: both of them. Both of them, all right. And lots of other things. It uh, uh, looks like a beautiful place. Anyway, Mondana came, he came to the United States in 2009. She has been very very, um, Active and outspoken during Mm -hmm. the uprising, particularly in social media, posting these beautiful poems that she writes Mm and uh, which she delivers and performs and does so quite emotionally that have quite an impact. So she joins us from Washington, D.C. Before that, in the Rook Studio, the surgeon. And musician, and <laughs> the thing is, he's great at both of them. I mean, he's an important doctor, uh, an Iranian-German doctor. He lives in Dusseldorf, mm-hmm. but he happens to be here in Toronto and uh, is coming into the studio. Um, he's a great doctor, but he's also, the guy's a monster musician. Oh. I mean, I'm going to get him to play something on the piano in here because okay. he's he's just phenomenal. Dr. Puriya Sabetian. Now, he is one of these doctors who... Uh, actually during COVID started to give advice online mm-hmm. to people in Iran, in Persian uh, to help them out, you know, because uh, medical resources are not always as uh, available to at least everybody in Iran, mm-hmm. outside of Tehran, etc. But also more recently, um, with everything from how to deal with, uh, you know, um, Bullets that are being shot at right. you to uh, poisoning schoolgirls, all of that. He's been giving that medical advice online to people inside Iran. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of like Dr. K, like some of the right. other doctors we've had. Uh, Dr. Puriya Sabetian, he has quite a quite a story, quite a personal story. Um, so he'll be joining us here in the Rook Studio, calling this episode Prescriptions and Poetry. Pega? Oh, I like that. PPP. That's right. Uh, Before we get to our little Rook roundup here and and our guests, I wanted to mention that it is a very, it's an important big birthday coming up for one of our Rook team members. Yes, it is. Uh, Actually, Rook itself is having a birthday. Rook turns three on April 16th. Mm -hmm. But before that, this weekend, you know know whose birthday. Probably the most important Rook team member. I would agree. (laughs) I think. And that is little Oogie, the French Bulldog. He's turning five.
1: Wow. And he's turning
0: five. My little boy. I
1: still think of him as a puppy. I
0: know. And people meet him because he's got this frenetic little energy and they mm-hmm. think he's a puppy. But uh, but he's, I mean, he's a trained therapy dog, a certified yes. therapy dog. He's a very, he's a good boy. He, he, I've had him since he was eight, eight weeks old. Oh. So, and he's been by my side the whole time and I can't believe he's five years old. Anyway, for this special occasion, what am I going to get, Oogie? What do you get the dog that has it all?
1: Something with peanut butter.
0: No. No? Close. Okay. Kubi
1: Oh,
0: Oogie goes crazy. There's nothing like highly salted, really, <laughs> grilled meat that a French bulldog goes crazy for. Yeah, he does a little dance. Wow. I got to take a video when yeah. I'm giving him kubi Well, he we goes crazy. Put the
1: video on Patreon.
0: Oh, yeah. Nicely done there. Mm-hmm. For our Patreon, you know what? I will do that. Yeah, we'll let's do, do that. that. For those people who are part of on, on our Patreon page, uh, Rook Members, you'll get the video. I mean, I don't know how much of a lure this is, but uh, oh, uh, Oogie is be a adorable. Good video, yeah, I'm sure. yeah. And he, he. I'm very kind of stringent. I'm pretty a tough dad about what he eats. You know, the French bulldogs, Frenchies are cheque mm-hmm. They'll eat everything, <laughs> right? So you have to kind of be, be careful. And he's so got he, a strict diet. he's got this. Fancy, you know, elite gastrointestinal <laughs> organic food that we get right. from the vet, the kibble. But on this occasion... It's his birthday. He's going to get some kubida. Yeah. So happy birthday, Ugi, yes, this weekend. It. All right. Uh, before we get to our guests, we do our roundup here. Um, I found out that on Monday you talked about the possibility. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that it was just one of these not-so things that some mullah was talking about in iran about that because it seems so horrific and mm-hmm. outlandish about a new hijab law um which suggests that uh, not only is the regime in iran not backing off the the morality police and all the hijab laws but they're doubling down mm-hmm. this was a proposal you talked about on monday then it turns out this has already been enacted into law
1: as of yesterday So this was, um, when we talked about it on Monday, it was just this member of parliament by the name of Jalali who had kind of initiated this and brought it to, I guess, the table, quote unquote. Um, And so we talked about the, penalties and punishment on Monday and we said you know new fines could be upwards of $60,000 in Iran's current economy which is insane um, revoking individuals driver's licenses passports bans on social media um, you know and then of course the typical expectations of, of um, you know flogging and, and other fines and detainment and imprisonment and all of that so now what happened is that this bill was actually passed in Parliament as of yesterday so, they're going to start implementing this new bill and also start using um, facial recognition technology as an aid to enforce this more heavily. You,
0: I wonder how this plays out because so much is made now of the fact that. Women in Iran bravely, um, mm-hmm. but staunchly, are not wearing their hijabs, especially obviously in the urban cities. We That's see right. this all the time. The videos in coming out of Shiraz or, or Tehran or or even Mashhad of you know walking around without hijab. So mm-hmm. so what happens? Is this is this doubling down going to be something that that it really has an effect?
1: I think so, and I think you know they're really. You trying think will to send will have an a mes- I think so. I think they're really trying to send a message and use that fear tactic again as usual, but I don't know if not where we were seven months ago no. so i don't know what's going to happen in terms of the the response that we'll get but I, what i will say is that um the reason i say it's going to have some sort of an effect is because they're really trying to pinpoint the areas and locations in which people have been protesting. So this same MP actually mentioned this has to be enforced harshly in places that previously they were kind of more lax. And so he mentioned, you know, while people are driving in their own cars, um, they're going to start going into cafes and such and trying to pinpoint wow. individuals. They're going to use that same facial recognition technology in those cafes. So
0: can we put to bed forever the idea that the, the, the regime is somehow going to moderate Ugh, to appease yes. uh, global outcry? or protesters in the streets that's um that's dead mm-hmm. that it is there's there's one one track they're on which is terrify yes. you know and impose so much fear on people crack down that that uh, they continue their totalitarian society and uh which is why everybody wants uh change um what else do you have in the roundup
1: uh, there's one more thing that i wanted to chat about and this is kind of floating around in persian twitter um there's been some allegations made against gugus oh yeah right. about uh, um this new campaign gugus
0: perfume not well, yeah. gugus is perfume yes exactly sorry <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> might want to correct that um but yes in regards to an ad campaign for her perfume so um in toronto there's a couple of billboards that um depict her holding this perfume bottle But in the background is the Azadi Tower, and then the slogan of "Woman, Life, Freedom," and so there's a lot of conversation that's circulating, saying, you know, should we be using the current circumstances and profiting off of what's happening? So, there's the conversation (laughs) is we shouldn't be, of course, yeah, that's what the yeah,
0: yeah. it's a it's a big billboard. If you live in the Toronto area. Yeah, you know, Young and Steels is mm-hmm. sort of the epicenter of uh Toronto. Yes. And it's a big billboard there or it yes. was. Did they take it down or is I think it still it's there? it's still there. Okay, yeah. all right. And so it it uses Gugush's image and selling its perfume mm-hmm. and has this is part of the revolution women yeah, life I freedom. Think
1: there's, and I don't know how accurate this is because I can't remember seeing this on the billboard. But someone was saying like um they had advertised or written like the the sm- the scent of strength or something like that as well which I thought you know that's just awful if if that is in fact up there but it, it definitely raises some questions but I think Gugush actually came out and she made a statement and said that you know I in no way shape or form did I endorse this or did she I disavowed know that? it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: correctly uh, and but it, it it raises a broader questions mm-hmm. around because we are seeing this in in different ways uh, as this revolution continues, mm-hmm. uh, and it's always been an issue even over the last six months of how how, how much do we allow this to be commodified and right. and appropriated for, for sales and advertising mm-hmm. and marketing and, and all of that. And this isn't something that's only unique to the, or, or specific to this revolution right. and this Iranian community. I was, um, knowing that we might talk about this, I was doing a quick search of uh, how uh, revolutions or, or social causes or have been used have been appropriated in other other ways mm-hmm. some of them very famously so or easily so others uh, uh, so I was finding for example Ben and Jerry's ice cream did a flavor called empowerment empowerment really? yeah that this is just a few years ago or three or four years ago that was seen to be promoting the causes of the Democrat Party in in America it was about a couple of specific, specific laws. Um, so selling ice cream on the basis of uh, there's a there's a black owned makeup company called Beauty Bakery uh, that has or had a Juneteenth special. So this is a that, that Juneteenth is short for the day that slavery was mm-hmm. abolished in in America June nineteenth, eighteen sixty five. So they were selling makeup. Wow! <laughs> through promoting Juneteenth, right? Uh, and uh, you think about all the businesses that ally themselves with, say, Pride Month. I was just going to you know, say that. Or Breast Cancer Awareness. Yeah. Or even Ukraine to sell their products, mm-hmm. right? You come to our bank because we support, we support Pride Ukraine. Month. Yeah, yeah, or Ukraine. So um, this is not this is an ongoing uh, ethical issue and, mm-hmm. and a moral issue. And, um, uh eh. I mean, I, I, sometimes the things that are being sold have something to do with the revolution, mm-hmm. I suppose, or, or, or can be helpful. I'm not sure if perfume falls into that category. Yeah, I don't know about that either. Uh, so um, it's natural that people took umbrage,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and I don't know what the real story is there. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Gugush didn't know about this and yeah. didn't
1: want to. Well, I mean, you know, she's made that statement, and I, I don't, I don't even know if the individuals who. I don't know about the slogan, but the the background, the Azadi Tower, I don't know. I mean, we've seen in in Iranian newspapers and things like that for years and years that, you know, there's people standing in front of a background of the Azadi Tower or some other place in Iran and things like that. So I don't know about that, but I definitely have a problem with the slogan on there now. Hmm
0: sorry what was the you 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 think that we shouldn't be using the Azadi Tower no
1: I'm saying the Azadi Tower is something that's the been made on a for, shahyad that has been used for years <laughs> I mean like if you open up the Persian well, yeah, it, there's so d- many you that's know. short
0: form for Iran yeah or, exactly or Tehran so or, yeah. that
1: that I don't know if I have that much of a problem with no but, it was that the, but they were the using slogan. the slogan yeah, yeah exactly yeah, that yeah. I definitely think is yeah, is yeah. an issue
0: if you support the revolution you should smell you should like smell this yeah that's for a few we're coming to you on rookmedia.com it's there that you can link to all of our platforms Uh, on an ongoing mission to build a new audio-visual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and CastBox. If you want to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. If you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, you can check us out on Telegram. So we're on all those platforms. Now... The main one is our website, rookmedia.com, where you can link to all of those, but also to a way to support us and become part of our team here, our, uh, become a Rook member. This is through Patreon. We have a Patreon page you link to through the rookmedia.com website. You just press the support us button and uh, you can become a Rook member at a, at a bronze, silver, or gold level. And it's a monthly little fee that helps us crowdsource what we're doing here, which is basically—I mean, it's not for profit; it's just to stay alive. Um, and so, I wanted to give a shout out to Siobash Asif, mm-hmm. who is a new silver patriot.
1: Yes, thank you, Siobash. Uh, thank you,
0: Siobash, and thank you to to those of you who uh, who are regular. If you're a regular listener or a regular member of our Rook uh, community and enjoy what we do it means it means a lot to us to become part of our Patreon team so just go and press the support us button and you get special treats like our uh, newsletter which we mm-hmm. won't bombard your email inbox with but um, once a month yes you get some special offers and special uh, invites to certain events mm-hmm. as well
1: and for anyone who's seen our latest newsletter if you have any feedback you know feel free to reach out to us let us know what you liked.
0: What did we say at the beginning of the that the Patreon members get something? What did what, you say? <laughs> we were. Oh, the video of Oogie. Yes, the yeah, video Yeah, and inkubide. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Seldom has there been more of a pitch, uh, a better <laughs> way to lure people to our Patreon page. Thank you, Pega. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited to, so you can, you just let uh, our guest in here. Our first guest today is walking into the studio, an Iranian-German doctor, musician, popular social media presence, Dr. Pouria Sabetian, is a vascular and endovascular surgeon who gained thousands of followers for his informative videos about COVID-19 during the pandemic. He also happens to be a brilliant musician who plays various instruments. Pouria was born and raised in Tehran. He moved to Germany to continue his medical education in 2012. He's the director of the Start Med company with the mission uh, to recruiting healthcare professionals from other countries to Germany. Since the beginning of the uprising, Puriya has been uh, producing supportive content and offering critical medical advice to help protesters and those inside Iran. He's also been on tour as a musician here in Canada recently. And so... Right now, Dr. Puriya Sabetian joins me in the Rook studio. Hello, sir.
2: Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting me to this program. I love your show, man. It is really nice to be here. And I think I, I, I should apologize because of my language. You know, my first foreign language is German, actually. This
0: is your first interview ever in English. It is correct. Do you know the first major interview that Faramir Aslani ever did in English was on this show? So you're wow. in good company. Uh, yeah. But your English is excellent. I don't yeah, know why you- Thank you,
2: you so much. I, 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 I will try my best. I, I can I can speak German actually native, and uh, you know, uh, Farsi is It won't my... help
0: me if you answer in German, because I won't understand what you're saying. Okay. But I understand I you are try. fluent in Farsi and in German, and yeah. you learn German in six months. When you yeah. arrived there in 2012, is the story. So, are you? Do you just have a facility for languages, or are you literally good at everything? Because that certainly <laughs> seems to be the case with medicine and, and music.
2: Uh, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know, but um, you know, I uh, actually I am a perfectionist, and if I learn something, I I, I will try to be the best on it. Mm. If I drive. I will try to... be. If I cook, I will try to be the best one in that.
0: But isn't it ultimately a prescription for uh, for disappointment? Because you can't be the the best at everything, right? I mean, are yeah. you the best cook? No. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> but not. But I can tell you're pretty good, aren't you? <laughs> I, I can cook.
2: I can cook. You, you know... Um, what is your best it is, dish? It is, it is, it is relative. <laughs> it's relative. It makes your life a little bit difficult because you're always um, um, you're always put, put more energy to be the best mm. and um, take more time to be the best and sometimes you don't have really um, really good private life oh. you're you're always you're always undoing learning the, the life you always on. you always
0: want to be the, the the best in your private life too yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> Where does that perfectionism come from, Puya? Where think, from think, your dad?
2: I think it's it's from my dad, and, and also from my mom. But you know, uh, my mom passed away 27 years ago. I was 14 years old at that time. I was not able to know my mother as well as my father. Mm. You know, uh, but I think the perfectionism comes from my father.
0: I can remember. Your uh, father, who, by the way, is also a doctor. Yeah, he's right? uh, As is your brother. Uh, as you're all frigging doctors. Everybody's we are, a doctor. Really, re-
2: okay. We are really a boring family, you know. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're you're the, with us. You have the Iranian <laughs>
0: status overachiever <laughs> it's, ticked. It's all of the <laughs> boxes ticked. Yeah,
2: Our topics are also always <laughs> medical topics in a family. It's really boring.
0: Uh, sorry, you were going to say something about your dad and perfectionism. Did I cut you mm-hmm. off?
2: Yeah my my dad um, you know I was I was a medical doctor uh, on my promotion as a doctor um, and to give my doctor doctor work and my thesis and uh, I've Im- invited my father into mm. my uh, this to this ceremony at that time and he he, he goes like what you're a medical doctor okay so not a big deal you're a medical doctor you did another big work or a great thing mm you should be the uh, best specialist in the world and then we can we can go and celebrate your your right, right, right. success you know that, that was that was his achievement in uh, this context. I but had this
0: with my dad too I mean I would anything that I would you know uh, dad I I just got a new contract as the host of this on this network and and he would say he learned after a while that he had to lead with positive affirmation okay. so he would say that's great but, you know, Puriya, he is surgeon. You know, and it was always like somebody who's <laughs> somebody, better. Somebody was better. Yeah. Yeah. And which a lot of people were. So there yeah. you go. Um, I, I want to get into your dual life as a surgeon and a, a, a monster musician. I mean, you're yeah, not just a, you so a musician. Much. You're a great musician. But let me let me ask you first about the uprising. In the immediate days, Puriya, uh, after Masa Amini had, had yeah. been killed back in September of uh, 2022, um you jumped into making videos in order to give medical and health advice to those on the ground in iran D- did you have a a sense that this was going to be as major a revolution as it turned out to be actually
2: i didn't but you know i think um my goal was in every moment in my life to help other people and in COVID time i had many uh, many of videos to help them many uh, new studies new articles to to give them some some useful information about mm-hmm. that and in this context after Massa aminis died uh, that was you know i was really sad and i thought okay how can i help them i'm in germany they are on the street mm-hmm. they are and under under a lot of pressure in their lives economic pressure and political pressure and w- what can I do and I thought okay the best thing that I do is, is medicine and I, I've, I've tried to to give them some more information what they uh, should do in this situation in some critical situation and that was the reason of all those videos. Right,
0: right. When you give medical advice, I mean on the one hand, especially with Iranians I find, they defer to a doctor. So uh, if you're just having doctor in your name, people uh, uh, trust you and believe yeah. in you. And and that's a, a positive thing I would think. On the other hand, it does come with responsibility. You're not just yeah. somebody giving your opinions, you're somebody who is giving opinions that are going to affect potentially people's lives. How do you weigh that kind of responsibility?
2: Yeah, in a hard way, you know, it is not really um, not really easy because uh, some people you you don't know uh, what what they people are. Mm. Th- they can be from the government. They can be you know in social media. You can you are not able to know them. Um, although you're trying to help them, but it is kind of you know you're on the border. Um, it is really difficult to know, but. Um, the fact is, you can give some consultation in your field, mm-hmm. and you should be always um, be careful what you say in social media, because they can use it against you. And at that time, I was really- Who, un- who
0: will use it against you?
2: The, 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 just regular, normal everybody. people, everybody, right. everybody, everybody. They can use against you. They can record it. They can sure. uh, take some screenshots. Sure. They can, you know, in social media, they can do everything, and you should be really be careful. And I was really under pressure because of my family in Iran. Uh, and I thought, okay, I would like to help people in Iran, but if the government put my family under pressure yes. and uh, take them or um, do some something, uh, some some critical things to them it should be really dangerous for, for us. Despite, uh, I did it, I did mm-hmm. it. I, uh, that My father was not really agree with that because uh, he's in Iran and he was really under pressure uh, from every every person
0: in around him. Mm-hmm. Because Has he heard from Seppal or the or Anybody saying, you know, is it, are you the father of this guy? Why is he so. making these videos? I think
2: so, I think so, uh-huh. because he was, um, and two weeks after that, videos uh, uh, um, makes him really nervous. Yeah. He called me uh, and told me, uh, "Stop it! Stop it! Do not do it!" Yeah. Uh, and I, I I I thought, okay, what's the matter? What what's wrong? He didn't say anything, but I think. He was under pressure. And
0: by the way, it goes without saying that you can't go back to Iran now, I would imagine.
2: I cannot go back to Iran. And how hard is that for you? Uh, you know, it's really difficult for me in my head. I love Iran. Part of my heart is in Iran. And I don't know. It is, it's really, It's really weird. It's mm. my country. It's my homeland. Uh, I'm raised in Iran, uh, and I'm out since I was... Um, 30. and 30 years in Iran, I've learned everything in Iran, and, mm-hmm. you know, my memories, my friends, my family, and it's really hard for me, but, you know, the goal and the future makes me strong.
0: Let me just ask you a couple more questions about the current moment in Iran. What, over the last six or seven months, as a doctor now, um, what, what have you been most concerned by, or, or what what hits you the hardest uh as a doctor watching what's been happening in iran the
2: situation of my colleagues in iran that was that was really hard for me uh, you know a purpose of a doctor is always helping other people mm. and they were not able to do that because of their government because of the government they w- they were always in the hospital the 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 security guys, um, the you know, Basij, Sipa, they were mm. always in the hospital. And I've, I've, um, I've called some of my colleagues, some of my friends in the hospital in Iran, and um, they were always under massive pressure in, in the hospital. And they were not able to help people um, as always. Mm. And that was that was a big deal for them. And, you know... Aida Rostami I mean. she was uh, she was helping um this uh, injured people in the revolution at their homes and they killed her that uh, she she's she, she died because of this purpose simply
0: being doing her job as a doctor
2: doing, doing her job yeah. as a doctor
0: and a lot of doctors have, we've now here have left Iran yeah. in the last 6 or 7 months just fed up they can't the do what they um, That's correct. That is a. It's it's devastating. It's devastating to hear at a time when that medical care is so profoundly important. That 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 doctors are placed in in the position of not being able to give. I mean, we, we've heard so many of these stories of, um, and even when they bring somebody in, uh, the doctor helps them go out the back door so that the correct. protester doesn't then get arrested. I mean, it's 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 a it's a very difficult situation. I, I have to imagine that you probably because you have a large following now, you probably hear from people on the ground in Iran who are asking you questions that are not always your specialty, right? My yeah. daughter's been poisoned from a chemical attack and as a, a schoolgirl, correct. what do I do? How do you respond to them when they come to you with questions like that?
2: Yeah, you know, as a medical doctor, I know um, many things about that, um, but I can I cannot know everything about that and I should uh, learn uh, my size of, uh, you, you know, I should take my books, take take my um, online courses, and li- so, so I should learn by myself to help them, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually normal, you know, in Iranian community, you have always uh, so, so many questions from, from other people, you know. If I go to the party, uh, some guy comes to me and uh, asks some question about um, medical situations. It's not always in my uh, specialty as a vascular surgeon, but as a medical doctor, I can help him.
0: Can I just ask what it means to be a, a, an endovascular surgeon? What does that actually mean?
2: Um, did you heard about uh, balloon stent graft or sure. something like that? It is actually the techniques of uh, non-invasive surgery mm-hmm. to make the circulation better in, in vessel area, mm-hmm. in arteries, in, in, in some special disease, in arterial disease, in venous disease. And you can use um, endovascular techniques to uh, put some balloon or some, if you have narrowing or uh, or aneurysm in, in arteries or circulation system, vessel mm. system. Specifically
0: system. to do with the heart mostly, right?
2: Not specifically no, with, no, with no, the oh, heart. Oh. Aorta, um, uh, main artery in abdomen, um, in legs, ah, arms, I see. Um, neck, arteries. You can do it in almost in
0: every vascular systems in the body my um my dear uh, late father died uh because um they were trying to fix they want to move one of the stents which had become um a couple of the arteries had become clogged again after yeah. he had yeah. and they did this non-invasive surgery to kind of move the stent and they blocked it further unfortunately and so um he ended up a couple weeks later dying uh I had just gone in for day surgery, you know, so these are the the perils. I'm familiar with the perils of the kind of job that you do, and it it can't be easy.
2: Yeah, Yeah, It can be easy, and you know, every procedure in medicine uh, can have some complications, and the people should know about that. It it is a big problem in Iran because nobody talks about complications of, of procedures. You know, they do not I mean, make
0: you sign that thing that says you sure, have a 10% sure, uh, sure, chance of sure. They, it. Sure,
2: they make the sign that they should sign that papers, but nobody tell them about every complications mm. uh, that can uh, happen after the operation or during the operation. It is a big problem in Iran. And um, it is, I think it is a cultural problem. You cannot say to somebody in Iran, um, you have cancer. But you know, uh, if you if you tell them uh, just directly you have cancer, it's
0: not really good. Yeah, uh, like any like it's zashed. It's uh, not uh, culturally appropriate.
2: It's culturally a big problem because they don't want to hear. Uh, <laughs> but that uh, but that uh, is
0: your job as a doctor it, to it tell them. It's your job yeah. as a doctor to. St- so what, to, what do you do? do?
2: You should in Iran is a little bit different um, as as in Germany. You know, in Germany you should talk directly with yeah. the patient about the problem, but in Iran um, you should talk uh, first of all with the family, and, uh-huh. and they should prepare the person that you should. You should. It is a process to tell to tell them. It it's is really really difficult. We're very
0: sensitive people, Iranians, aren't we? It is, it is uh, compared it is to so Germans, I would imagine. Absolutely, the Germans. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say it's a stereotype. Ger- but Apparently, it's The Germans. It's not. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you know. Okay, some about sensitive people in German. Ah, it's not, not a, not a, not a really common word in in German. You know. Uh,
0: take take me back. Take me back to you were born, right after the the Islamic Revolution. Uh, you were born in the early nineteen eighties, and and so you're a kid during the Iran Iraq War. Um, what, what what was your childhood-like, somebody who now seems so incredibly talented in these different areas and and pretty confident, albeit a perfectionist, was that always true? If somebody met the five-year-old Puriya, would it be obvious that he's going to become Dr. Sabatian and a great musician and all of that?
2: No, that was not the case. Uh, You know, I was eight years old after the war, and that was the idea from from my mother to be the be a musician also be a piano player because he thought uh, she thought um, you know if you don't have any education if you don't have any academic uh, level in your life and if you don't have any situation to make money you're a musician you can play piano you can play uh, in a cafe or something like that and you can wow you can make some your money. mom was so rosh fact yeah because it's actually
0: was, the opposite usually they say uh, well what what, what, what should, good is being a musician you need to go and uh, become get a you know degree in something that you can turn into a job
2: right yeah that was my mother's idea wow uh, um, and she was really um you know she was really serious in this context. Yeah.
0: Did she know that you had a gift for playing music?
2: No. My brother uh, has played piano, but just as a hobby in his free time. You know, at a summer uh, summer course or something like that. But for me, that was music was a big compensation in my life. Always, always, and. I wrote my first song seven days after my mother died. Um, that was I, I was fourteen, and I'm uh, I, I I have started to work as a composer seven days a- after she died.
0: Um, Did yeah. you guys have a piano at home? Yeah, mm, that helped. That helped because it, I I was when. Uh, Maziar um, Falahi he was here, I was asking him too. When, when he, that's a very sensitive period, that period of the 80s and 90s in Iran. Not only is there m- music not being allowed to be played on the radio and all of these things, especially yeah. in the 80s, but any kind of music. But, um, but there's not a lot of instruments around too. You've, you've become this multi-instrumentalist. I mean, you play the piano, but you also play a number of other instruments. Yeah. How did that happen? How did you find all of those instruments and become that guy?
2: yeah you know if you play piano you can you can play if you want you can play other instruments too um, because y- you learn them um, I, I think it is it is my opinion that, that can be that can be uh, actually false you're offending it. me as a drummer right now you yeah. think
0: that because you play piano you can be a good drummer
2: yeah uh, you can't you because you know the rhythm you know uh, actually the notes you know the uh, music you have uh, bass tones um, high tones you have everything on piano you can you can um, imagine everything you can y- you can learn actually more faster other instruments so interesting uh, um
0: so you I mean you play the daf for example right daf I can play you learn the play you think you're better at the daf because you're a great piano player I think so that's so interesting
2: I yeah. think so piano uh, helps helps me in, in all other instruments to to uh, to have a good imagination Uh, how could be as a guitar player or i can imagine when i when i play guitar i can imagine uh, how can how can i play it actually on piano and how can i convert it from piano Mm -hmm. to guitar and uh, surely you should put some guitar technique if you play guitar but um, basically The music is music.
0: It's so interesting to hear you talk about the inspiration for going into music being your mother, because from what I understand, you going into medicine was also related to your mother. It's correct, It's correct. Can you tell that story?
2: Yeah, I was 14 years old and uh, my mother asked me, okay, your brother is in the medical university. What would you like to be? What would you like to do? and you know at that time um, I've seen my mother she was so happy because of my brother uh, he was successful in medical university and I saw that and I told her okay uh, what do you think should I be the? M- should I be another medical doctor in our family and she was really proud and she told me yeah it is my last wish in my life that you become a medical doctor. And I promised her, I promised her. And I, I think two weeks later, my mother died in that horrible accident. You know, my mother fell down from the fifth floor in an in, in, uh, elevator shaft. And that was a big disaster in my life. But I promised her and now I'm a medical doctor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was your mom like? She was uh, pretty.
2: She was so kind. Um, She was a big supporter of us. My, me, my brother and my father. You know, at the age 42, uh, I am right now 41 years old and my mother was 42 as she died, and, uh, you know, the life is really, that, that changed my life at the moment as a, as a teenager.
0: How did it, it's an obvious question, I'm a 14-year-old and your mom dies in a, a horrible accident, it's not even something that you anticipated, she wasn't sick for years, it's not, some, it's, it's an obvious question to say, how, how, um, you know, what, what, how did it change you? Uh...
2: I think I became a better person after that. I think because in my head, um, I sh- I've, I've tried all the time to prove myself, to prove my mother, hey, you're not here, but you can see me. Um, I'm trying to be the better person. I'm trying to be the good person. And I'm trying to be the person who y- you like, mm-hmm. and um, I think that changed my life. And I'm, I, I was able to be the better person because in my head, everything was 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 other than a regular life of some teenager.
0: What was it like? Um you become suddenly a a nuclear family, a small family of men, boys, your your dad and and two boys. Um, Once your mom is gone, how how did that dynamic uh, shift? That was was
2: really difficult. My father was um, always at work until 11 p.m. He was not at home because my mother was there and uh, he was able to do his work, his job as a gynecologist. He was always in his uh, praxis uh, or in the hospital, you know, in operation room. But after that, he has tried to be at home at um, 8 p.m. Hmm. But he d- he didn't know uh, what what uh, what what to do is. You know uh, he was actually uh, confused and I was confused. My brother um, was actually not so confused because he was in a medical university. He's older. Uh, he's older, mm-hmm. he's four years older and um, he had so many friends around him, had so many plans, so many parties so you know as a, as a young uh, student in a medical university you have so many plans to do mm. and it is actually um um it is actually a little bit easier in this situation but i had some conflicts in my life because i didn't know how can i how can i cook how can i eat how can i you know my, my mother uh, did everything mm. everything for us and at some point,
0: everything was so empty your, your dad's at work, your brother's at the medical university and i was fourteen year old Puya at at home
2: yeah, yeah. that was uh, I was not at home every every day you, i I should go to school mm-hmm. uh but um but uh, that was that was really i don't want to be in at that time again. I don't mm-hmm. want to be there I can imagine yeah.
0: You, you leave Iran at an interesting time because you don't leave Iran until 2012, so you're about 30, 31 years old. 30 years old. And yeah. uh, that's interesting because if you're going to leave and you're going to leave for education, you could leave when you're 21. Uh, you you clearly wanted to stay or decided to stay until 30. Why did you stay as long as you did, and then why did you leave when you were yeah. 30? uh that was not the
2: plan to immigrate uh, from the from the uh, from this country to other countries i had everything uh, in iran a part of a hospital praxis my uh, apartment in iran 200 uh, meter apartments in one of the best um, part of tehran and my friends around me everything and i was at that time one of uh, one of the composers uh, in broadcast in uh, in TV um, in Iran and the job is actually uh, was actually good I had so many um, requ- job requests in, in, in as, a, as a musician as a composer uh, that was really good for me I could make uh, money but the problem was after my military service as a medical doctor um, it is a it is a big exam exam in in Iran. If you want to be uh, a specialist as as a surgeon or something like, if you want to be a surgeon in Iran, you should take a big exam once a year in Iran. And uh, it is a really hard exam. You should learn every every uh, 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 specialties in 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 uh, medicine. And I have decided to do it to be a surgeon, not just general practitioner, mm-hmm. but a surgeon. That time, I've canceled every contract, every musical contract. Um, I, I was at home for six months. I have uh, turned my my phone off, and everything was stopped in my life because um, I I should have I should have do the do the exam and pass it. But after after the exam, uh, they told us from the health ministerium The questions and the answers of, of this examination was away to to other people. You know, I mean, they sold it to other people. They sold the questions and the answer of the of this exam to two thousand medical doctors to 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 give them the the possibility to be uh to be in a specialist. Wow. Um, that was a big money in this in this uh corruption in this in this really really bad. And you were business. surprised by that? I was I was really surprised. I was really surprised after that, and I've decided to to um uh, to come out and to to go away from this country because just one more year in this situation and learn everything 14 hours a day and stop everything in my life uh, you know i have lost my girlfriend i lost everything everything in my life was stopped and i th- i thought okay if i if i do one more time and uh, if they take one more year from my life i can i cannot tolerate it's it it's
0: been such a <laughs> You know, this Iran, it, it's such a dysfunctional country, especially in the last four decades where, and I always, I, I have to always say a disclaimer first when I say something like this, because obviously we know there's so so much that's beautiful about it. There's so much that we love um, um, and there's so much to celebrate about about Iran, but um, on so many levels, it, it becomes a frustration, whether we're talking about human rights and, and a lot of the things that the uprising is about, yeah. but this, this level of corruption, for example, um, it's infuriating. Of yeah. course you, and, and, and so you, you face the choice of either staying and basically becoming part of that system you know, yeah. uh, or, or leaving the country that you love and your family and friends.
2: Yeah, it's, it's correct they they do it right now you know it is it is it is the problem of this country they cannot stop this corruption they do it they um they make you uh, so disappointed and if you if you have a you know th- the problem is if you have enough money right now if you have the situation to leave the country you will make it you will do it because they want to. They want that you leave the country. Every academic person who can, who can bring some good situation in this country, who can build this they country. They want you to leave. They want it,
0: mm-hmm. Be- because, because they can... They, Easier to uh, manipulate people who are... It is correct. Less accomplished than the talented and talented and smart. It's
2: huh? the point, because mm-hmm. if you know, if you if you are clever, if you are smart,
0: You should be there. It's devastating. That's horrible. What was the move to Germany like for you? I mean, you seem to have done very well in in Germany. Was it invigorating to to change your life and and be in Germany? Or was it difficult in terms of, for the first time, living in a new country?
2: That was really difficult. That was a new world for me. Uh, You know, um, I've seen every uh, English-language countries, like America, Canada, England, Australia, and um, I should have um, do another examinations, another like in America is USMLE, or in, in Canada is Toronto notes uh, and other, lang- uh, or other examinations. But in, d- in Germany, I should have at that time, I should have just B2 language level of German and uh, an acceptation from a head of a department in a surgery and I could, uh, I was able to move to Germany, and that was the point, I thought, okay, it's my chance, and 2014 was the regulation in Germany absolutely other than, other than uh, uh, 2012, after two years, that was my chance, and I took it, I've learned the language, I uh I had a acceptation uh I had an acceptation from a head of the uh, vascular surgery department in Bremen that was in north 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 Germany. And after after a year I was there.
0: And now you're in Düsseldorf.
2: Now I'm in Düsseldorf. How
0: do you self identify now? Are you German?
2: I am actually German who talks farsi too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
0: interesting because in your social media you're not. You're. You seem to be more focused on an Iranian audience than on a That's German correct. audience, it's or correct. even an English audience.
2: It's correct, but because they they they, they need me, uh, I think more than Germans. Hmm. It's it's because of my speciality in medicine. Uh, I think I have actually two pages. Um, one of one of them is German. One of them is uh, is Farsi, but a Farsi uh, page is more active as the German one um, than the German one, I think I think the people in Iran needs me um, as a medical doctor I should give them my information, my my education, my experience Mm. and uh, you know it's really embarrassing because um, so many people uh, uh, text me, uh, we don't have we don't have our our doctor, our uh, family doctor, um, doesn't tell us um, every every informations that we need, and it is it is the reason why we we we're, uh, we're writing you. Right, and, and and I think okay, why though? Because in Iran, you know, th- the medical doctors in, our, uh, in Iran are really under pressure. They have so much. To do, they have, they uh, they have no time to do, no time to talk with patients. Mm. It's a it's a big problem. It's it's a problem uh, of infrastructure in this country. It is from health ministerium in this country. It's not about the doctors. They are really good. They are really. D- I think the Iranian doctors are the best doctors in the world, because they ha- they don't have any possibilities, any devices, any instruments, any any. They aren't, right. you know, but they are a good they're doctor. They're improvising
0: while they're, they're improvising. Doing, you
2: know, yeah. They're good doctors. Tell,
0: tell me about where and how the. I mean, you, you basically came to public attention. You became famous in a way through the videos you started making during COVID, during the pandemic. That's correct. Uh, what what was the first initiative in terms of doing that when did you go eureka i know what i'm going to do i'm going to start making these videos that will help Uh, i mean i I, i'm assuming you didn't know it was going to go viral or what you were doing but but um tell me about the idea
2: behind it that was that was really funny because uh i was um i was um uh, actually uh in work with wdr in germany it is a big uh program in Germany uh, a big channel in Germany mm. WDR Germany and as a musician and I was musically really active in this uh, in this program and after covid um, they called me and they told me you know musical we don't we don't want something from you but medical <laughs> can you <laughs> right. can you can you give us some medical <laughs> right, programs right, right. can you give us some medical programs in german and something like that? i i thought i thought oh why not i can do it wow. uh and that was the uh, start in this context but um after that i was on bbc persia because they uh they watched my programs on wdr and they've called them okay what's what's with, with this guy he is a persian guy and he talks about uh, covid or something like that in german can he talk uh, about uh, about covid uh, also in farsi or something like that? and they told uh, they told me okay bbc persia wants wants to to have interview f- with you i, w- I was in BBC, bbc persia for a while and after that i was in manoto tv mm-hmm. It's one of the, yes. fa- the most famous persian persian channels yes. in the world Yes, and uh, I I think and then
0: you start making the videos because it's a natural outcome. Videos,
2: that. everything, social media, and I thought, okay, it should be because the people need need some more information. You
0: are that. a performer, though. I think when I watch your videos, I mean, first of all, there's some that are just funny stuff. You know, it's not all. <laughs> yeah. But you seem not just comfortable in front of the camera. You seem, um, you you seem to enjoy it. it it's something that comes. Yeah naturally to you, or uh, you, you're, you're kind of a performer? I think, it, I think it, it
2: comes from music, you know. I was always on the stage, so many concerts in Iran, over hundreds of concerts in Iran. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine myself from uh, on the stage f- uh, for many thousands people, and, and perform music and something like that. And you know, camera is another big deal.
0: It's an interesting. It suggests an an interesting duality in terms of who you are, because I've come to know doctors who I have tremendous respect for, um, to be quite um, to the point, uh, serious in some cases, but. Um, not overly sensitive. I mean, part of the training is you—you you can't get too emotional. You're overseeing people losing their lives in some cases. Yeah, you can't, that. you know, um, cry for days about each one of them. You have to do a job, etc. And then an artist is kind of uh, a, a good artist needs to tap into that emotional well and and be as sensitive as possible. And so you've got both of these things, which by by the way may coincide with the German and the Iranian, <laughs> the <laughs> stereotypes correct. of which are you are can. the. The very emotionless. Yeah, uh, emotionless you know, and, and, and emotional. And <laughs> emotional, yeah. Um, so y- are you a combination of those things?
2: Yeah, you know, our human's ability is not, there is no limitation, I think. And it comes from, uh, you know, as a medical, do- as a vascular surgeon, uh, one of your duties are the amputations. You know, I've performed uh, more than 2,500 amputations in my life and so many people told me how can you how can you amputate a a, a part of a body yeah. it, it is really it is really you know weird or something like that. i th- it, but in my head is if i amputate a sick part of a body you know it, it really i i don't know how can i how can i say it in english without any uh without any medical wards you know uh, um but um uh, do you know what necrosis is what, what, no. gangren, what gangren oh, gangrene what gangrene gangrene sure you know like a
0: diseased part of a body Yeah,
2: a, a part of a body and you try to help them they are suffering under this d- sickness or d- this disease and you amputate this part of a body but they have better life after that. And it is my tension, you know, I I perform an amputation, but I can improve their their life quality. Uh, it is in my head. I think about life quality. Mm. And I I think, okay, I can help them.
0: Mm. But it's be. about you especially as a surgeon, it's about precision, right? Yeah. You have to get it exactly right. Yeah. Art. Music is not always about precision. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's if if you're there. too into the precision it actually undermines the art.
2: Yeah, art is something else.
0: Do you is there a way in which being a doctor because I feel like I being a musician helps you be a doctor it can bring an empathy, get, art always helps develop the sensitivity of a person whatever. Is there a way in which being a doctor makes you a better musician? No, I don't think
2: so. I don't think so. I think music makes me a better doctor, but uh, medicine makes me not a better musician um, you know I can use my um, my two part of two part of my brain, the left part and the right side of my brain uh, actually at the same time hmm. it helps me to be multitasking um, as a musician I'm focused on a beauty of my, you know, it is so emotional, but as a medical doctor, it's also emotional, but in, the, in a different way. It, it is, it is, I think about helping people make, make their lives better, and life quality, uh, you know, health, and so mm-hmm. you know, it, it is something else, but in music, you have their, um, souls mm. in your hand.
0: Pooja, do you ever regret trying to do both of these things nope. I mean uh, Iran, Iranian overachievement uh, medals yes. aside which yeah. is is great but I told you this before we did the interview but you're not you're not just a musician I mean you're a great musician and you're anybody who you so watches you knows that you're you so you're, you're phenomenal so if you're not spending as much time doing surgery and being a, uh, an important doctor and all of that, you could be putting out albums and touring constantly and building that music career or vice versa. Yeah. You know, okay, music is just going to be a hobby. and I'll put it over here and I'll I'll become this star surgeon. Do, do you ever feel like, especially given the perfectionist that you are, that, man, I should have just picked one one lane or, or at this point I should pivot to just do one thing? Um,
2: you know... I would like to be the purya who is here uh, i you know I, I can do both of them, and I think the reason why I'm here today with you is actually the music that's but, true yeah but because there is so many medical doctors, so many surgeons, but especially not as hushtip. <laughs> Yeah, but, but you know <laughs> no, that's Khoshtib, <laughs> Khoshtib means good-looking, <laughs> yes, my, my dear. Yeah, my dear. <laughs> uh, tell the Germans what it means now, too. Yeah, that's Khoshtib, charmant in German. But um, the problem, uh, uh, you know, it is, it is a big deal because if you want to be a professional musician, it takes so much energy mm. from you, so much time, mm-hmm. so much power in your life. And also, if you want to be a good surgeon, it takes also. That's why um, I cannot sleep more than uh, four hours a day. That's why I, I'm I'm always you sleep four hours? Four hours.
0: Wouldn't a doctor tell you that that's a bad idea? It's really a oh. <laughs> <It's> really, <laughs> <unhealthy. you>, <laughs> really bad idea. It's really uh-huh. unhealthy. It's
2: really a bad idea. It's really unhealthy.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's impressive that you do all that you do I, I'm, um, I'm very grateful that you're here I'm grateful that we got to do this Thank in person Thank you so much And I'm also grateful because we have a keyboard in our studio Oh And you've agreed to uh, play something Yeah sure And, and if, so uh, and what will you play for us? If I had a a, a medical uh, you know room, I would get you to do some surgery for some us as surgery. well. But we don't have <laughs> okay. that. We just have a keyboard. So
2: yeah, yeah we just have keyboard. I, I can I can play some original songs if you if you like. Please. You know, it is really special to me. It is a melody from my mother, mm. and it is in seven eight. It is not a regular rhythmus in a music. Um, the piano players I've seen only Yanni. Yanni uh, plays so many, so many melodies in 7-8, and uh, uh, I wrote this melody in 7-8 also. I can play a part of that. Beautiful.
0: Thank you again for this interview. Thank sh- you so I'm much. I'm really
2: grateful to be here. It's, I, really, I'm so sorry because of my language. I can say everything in Farsi so fluently. But not in English. The so next really... uh,
0: interview we do will be in German. I will, I will uh, uh, learn some German. My pleasure. <laughs> 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 so <really> you're comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really Doctor Puriya Sabetian is here in the Rook Studio. Thank you so much Thank you for th- so much. Head on over to the keyboard there, okay. and um, we'll listen to you play this uh, this this piece for his mother. Doctor Puriya Sabetian He's walking over there now. Nicely done. Dr. Purya Sabetian in the Rook Studio live. Thank you so much. Great to have you here. Come back. is Rook episode 251 prescriptions and poetry my next guest is a female Iranian American multidisciplinary artist who is an architect a poet and a most compelling singer take a listen to this of the song Sad Omad Zemestun, as performed recently on VOA with Ehsan Karami Mondana Khazra'i. Mondana was born and raised in Kerman in an artistic family. She moved to Tehran to continue her education at the age of 18, where she started her first vocal lessons under the supervision of one of Iran's best female singers, that was in Tehran. Mondana moved to the United States in 2009. She currently lives in Washington, D.C. and works as a project manager in an architectural firm alongside her music career. She has been very active since the beginning of the uprising after the killing of Maso Amini, writing poems, posting powerful and emotional videos in her social media pages, and speaking and performing at various rallies and events. And right now, Mondana Khazraei joins me from Washington, D.C. today. Hello.
3: Hi, Janjan. How are you?
0: It's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this.
3: Thank you so much for inviting
0: me. Thank you. That, that song is so beautiful. I wanted to play it partly because I, I just love it so much. Sarumad Zemestun, it basically means it's, it's the end of winter coming. It's based on an old Armenian folk song, and it's, it's a revolutionary song that was used during the, the 2009 Green Movement as well in Iran. Tell me about choosing to perform that on VOA.
3: Yeah, and i was thinking since they invited me and they asked me to sing a song i was thinking since it has a meaning of ending the winter and ending the bad days these cold days so i was thinking this is a good song to sing so that's why i chose that song and uh, this song is very older than the um, that movement that you just mentioned is is i think 40 something years old uh song and uh, it belongs to communism uh, parties, communism opposition, but since it's uh, just people kept singing it over so many stuff happening in Iran, I don't think it belongs to them anymore. I think it belongs to all Iranians, all people who wants freedom, who wants to be this long winter, and
0: so on. Yes, it's been rehabilitated a few times. It was this Armenian folk song that it was used during the Siakal uh, uprising, yep. but you're you're right, it's now this revolutionary yep. song. I mean, just in terms of the content of it, uh, and to get get into talking about what the last six months have been like, do you believe we are seeing the, the end of winter, both literally and metaphorically, in Iran?
3: Yeah, of course I see that, because... Um, in my perspective, Iranian practicing unity, practicing how to uh, be together, how to get together in, in against of this brutal regime. And I think this is the most important part of this revolution. And to me, the, the winter is going to be in soon and the spring is coming very soon, since all the young people, brave young generation are in the streets. They're fighting for their freedom, and this is hope. This, All of this stuff giving me so many hope to think that this winter is going to end soon.
0: I've heard you talk about the hope you feel, um, and I think a lot of us have, have felt that hope or grasping to it. There's also been a lot of devastation, and, and you've felt that. I mean, you've posted some beautiful poems where we see you were you crying while performing them talk to me about the mixed emotions you've been feeling over the last six or seven months
3: yeah as you said it's a mixed emotion you know so of course when some young people even kids get murdered by this uh, force the force of the regime it is it's heartbroken it's and since I have a kid uh, myself and my kid is 13 years old, so I I can I I can put myself in their position, and I can feel the mom or the family or the father's feeling about it, and it it breaks my heart deeply. Yeah. But at the same time, I was thinking um, we cannot just uh, just cry and uh, do nothing, and uh, we have to keep fighting. You
0: you're, you're not just a uh... Um, a performer you're you're a writer and actually before we did the interview you were saying that um, it, you partly wish we were doing this in Persian because I know you're you're very poetic and eloquent in Persian although I you're so good in English that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to have an interview out, out there with you in, in English but you are a poet both in terms of performance and writing and you wrote in the end of November you posted such a beautiful, poem or a song i suppose about the death of little Keon Pierre for this is the 10 year old boy who died at the hands of the regime uh the bullets when he was in the car and, and the poem translates into hey neighbor pass us ice this being a, a reference to ice that was used by his family to preserve his dead body while they were desperately finding a place to bury him and not hand him over to authorities tell me about that poem you know
3: when when i was Writing this poem, I was crying myself, and even since then, I'm thinking the first place that I'm gonna go after Iran become a free country, I'm gonna go to Kian Pirfalak. And um, anytime I'm thinking of him, I'm thinking about him, thinking thinking about all of them, their families. I cannot stop crying. I cannot stop crying. And since, as you said, I'm a writer, I, I have to write my feeling. I have to write them. I must write them otherwise i'm going to die you know it's, it, they're going ch- i'm i'm, I'm going to choke so i was decided to to write this situation and imagine someone killed some system kill your kid and even you're killed you're with blood in, is in front of you you cannot even go to hospital or somewhere else to ask for help because if you do that they're going to steal the body and won't let you to bury in order that you want in a way you want. So the only way that you can keep the body, I mean, not smelling or you know, you you can you can bury the way that you want is to uh, ask ice from neighbors because you don't have enough ice. And this this was so touching and it was so sad.
0: Yeah, there's videos of them putting the ice on his body in the in the hours after he died do you want to do any of that poem can you do a couple of lines from it in in <laughs> persian
3: ay ham saye be ma yakh beresan ay ham saye be ma yakh beresan na'sh farzand be dastam munde tifl masoome ma ra tir zadan dade dastur teror farmande ay ham saye be ma yakh beresan قلب دردانه من مانده کار رفته لبخند ز لب‌های ترش. جای ترکش به تنش جا منده. آی همسایه آی همسایه به ما یخ برسان تا سپاریم تن خونی فرزند به خاک گاه گاهی بشود مویه کنیم سر قبری که از او جا مانده. It's a a
0: beautiful piece. It's a powerful piece. And you, you know, you're, you're quite open about showing your emotions uh, on video uh, in social media. I mean, uh, um, some people would feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, shy or um, Uh have reservations about putting themselves out there the way you do. That one in particular, when you posted in November, you're actually crying as you perform it. Um, Uh Was that a decision that you made recently? Or have, have you always been that way?
3: No, I've been always like this. Always. If if you go back to my uh, my previous Instagram post, I have a poem about Fuyamokhtari, the, the the boy who got killed in Aban. Yes. Or even I have a poet about women. I mean, long long time ago about hijab, about the, this forced hijab. So no, I, this is not some something recently happened to me. I, I I've been like this as much as I remember.
0: Montana, well, do you? Do you worry that things are not progressing? I always have, I feel trepidatious about even asking questions like this because I don't want to suggest that there isn't the will for there to be a change in Iran. But do you worry that things are not progressing as fast as some had hoped, as many of us hoped back in October or November?
3: Do you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know how fast this stuff going to happen, but there is no way, there is no way that... Uh, this revolution is not gonna win. Mm. I'm sure 100% that this woman life freedom revolution going to win because of this young, brave generation who is not frightened of this regime anymore. And there are a lot of different ways to fight, to fight back. And I think people are keep creating new ways for fighting and they are keep doing this. I'm sure it's gonna get somewhere.
0: You were born and raised in Karaman. In fact, you were born just as the the other revolution, the 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 Islamic Revolution, 1980, was um, establishing itself. Um, you, you were born into an artistic family, from what I understand. Your your father sang, uh, your mother played tar. How yeah. would you describe your life in? in in iran growing up in Kerman in in the 1980s with the backdrop of the iran iraq war but in this sort of artistic and musical family
3: you know i was so lucky to born in uh, in in this family that i was born my my father and my mom they were both were very artistic and uh, they were very cultured and they love art music so even though in those days, I remember, as you said, there was a war between Iran and Iraq. And uh, so I was growing up in a small town, which was a Kerman. My father was a lawyer, but even though everything was so crazy those days, even though the music was kind of forbidden in Iran, even now, they still doesn't show the instrument in a TV. Right. Uh, but on that environment, um, I can say every single weekend there was a gathering in our house playing music all the music. my father invited musicians
0: You were playing the santur when you were a kid
3: I used to yeah I used hmm. to play santur
0: And you started writing poems when you were a child I mean it's it's yeah. interesting that's really not a normal thing for kids in the west to do you know you don't you don't meet a lot of kids who are six years old who are writing poetry in in canada or the united states necessarily um maybe that's different in iran because of the poetic tradition tell me what drew you to poetry at such a young age
3: the most important thing was my family again my father was 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 wrote a poem as well my grandfather was wrote a poem as well and now i remember the first um poet that I uh, wrote, I was at second grade. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And so, again, my family were always supporting me.
0: It's interesting. I mean, there's so many people that... Um... I've interviewed that or the the people we know who are such talents when it comes to different forms of artistry whether they're musicians or writers or um, um, performers of some kind dancers etc who don't end up going into that as a career partly because of the social cultural pressure you know they don't have parents who think that that's a, a worthy tradition to go into and they want their kid to be an engineer or a doctor in your case it sounds like you had parents who were supportive but you wanted to go to art school and there's another thing inhibiting you uh, in in where you were growing up which is there wasn't an art school in in caramon or you couldn't find one in the city is that true
3: there was only one art school in caramon and that particular school most of the kids who were who who were not good in math or science, you know. They were going to that <laughs> school, and that's why I I uh, chose um, architecture because it's art related subject.
0: Right. so You go to Tehran, you you study architecture. Uh, you don't end up leaving Iran until um, 2008, I think. Around then, so you're 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 in your late twenties and uh, it might seem like an odd question to ask but you know there are so many artists that we speak to who especially women we know how difficult it is you can't sing publicly can't do a recording publicly uh, or at least you can't sing publicly in a mixed audience um, that it is natural to expect that somebody who wants to express their artistry needs to leave Iran at some point Um, especially obviously we're talking about the last 44 years in this Islamic Republic you choose to stay at first tell me what it was like being an artistic soul um, somebody who was interested in singing somebody who was writing and doing the kind of artistic work that you do but deciding to stay in Iran uh, until you hit that moment in the in the late 20s when you end up leaving
3: so as you said my roots are there and it's, it's very hard to leave those roots it's very hard to leave the family that you love, the family that they are supportive. To leave your friends, um, even though I was I was in love with singing, uh, but at that moment I think it was very hard decision to make um, to leave Iran. I, I still I'm still in love in Iran, and I wish I can go back soon and be there and can be, I'm sure I'm going to be much more productive if I be closer to those.
0: Are you one of those people who feels guilty that you haven't been there during this time in the last six or seven months? You've been so active in Washington, DC. Did you want to be on the front lines in uh, inside Iran during the uprising?
3: Yes. I'm Not even that. Sometimes I'm blaming myself. Why didn't I do it when I was there? Hmm. Not even, not even I'm like, oh, I, I wish I, I was there to be in a front line. Sometimes I'm thinking by myself and I'm blaming myself. Um, why I wasn't this much brave as these young kids are? Why I love myself so much to not have, um, uh, I mean, fate, or I don't know what to say, to, to fight back. Why I was so scared?
0: You're not alone. There's an entire generation asking that question of themselves, of ourselves. What What is the answer to it?
3: I don't have any answer to it. I wish I was more brave. I wish me and my generation were fighting back stronger, fighting back more, and not just leave that country for this regime and not just leave this young generation who are my kids age to go and fight back. I wish I wish we did we did something else. I wish we acts in other way.
0: I mean, first of all, the, the the regime was so brutal that anytime before the year 2000 is kind of uh, it would be a madness to try and you know uh, launch an, an insurrection. We see the the student protests that happened in 1999 and and the beginnings of that's the very first time anybody challenges the Supreme leader or whatever. So it, it, people can be forgiven for not going out there and just getting shot in the streets. But do you think in the last 20 years, maybe part of it was that every option, hadn't been exhausted in terms of, there was still this belief, at least foolishly, it turns out, of course, there was still this belief amongst some that there was some way within this regime that through reforming the regime and slowly taking steps, things could change in Iran. And that that really need to be proven as a fallacy, as a failure before the kids of today had the strength to go, it's all or nothing. You
3: know, part of the society were thinking like that, as you explained, a part of a society. But a part of the society was thinking um, opposite. They were thinking, no, this regime is not going to get anywhere. They're brutal. And since this regime is based on ideology, the ideology won't change. So, and all the rules and the laws are based on that ideology. So how how is possible to to, any change happen, there is no way. And and at the other side, I think this generation who are in the street, they were born and raised with my generation. And since my generation suffered a lot from the regime, we kind of teach our kids to fight, mm. to not just listen to whatever they say and say, okay, fine, okay, fine, okay, we'll do that, fight back. Answer questions. Answer why should we do that? And we are passing all of this uh, education and experience with our kids.
0: We've heard about the big demonstrations. We've seen them in places like Tehran and Shiraz and and Tabriz. Um, what's it been like in Kerman? I know your mom is still there. What does yeah, she mom... What does she tell you about the will for change, the desire for change in Kerman?
3: Yeah, my mom. I, I'm I'm asking this question. Uh, to my mom and she's always said she's seeing a lot of young ladies in the street without hijab, which as I I said before, is this is another way of fighting. Mm. And the other day she said she was uh, flying uh, to Tehran and in airplane, she said, I can say 85% of the women didn't wear any hijab. And all of these stories that she's telling me gives me more and more hope.
0: What was it like integrating into life in the United States for you?
3: Uh, It has good things on it and bad things. Again, since I'm far away from my roots, I cannot be as much productive as I want to, as I'm able to. But at the same time, I'm living in a free country I can do whatever I want to be. Pro- so it, it's it's a very it's a very hard answer. You know, it's a very hard. answer. Do you
0: think of yourself as uh, uh, as I mean, how do you self-identify now? Are you Iranian American or are you just Iranian or are you are you American? How do you answer that question?
3: Legally, I'm Iranian American, but <laughs> deep inside my heart, I'm Iranian.
0: Well, that, yeah, and that's borne out by your the, the emotions you feel right now. You say you feel it is your duty, um, and maybe I guess it's our duty, anybody who can, to introduce Iranian art um, and culture to to Iranians, not just non-Iranians, but to Iranians as well. Talk to me about that mission. Yeah,
3: I, I think it's not just, just my responsibility as an artist is my responsibility as an iranian i mean I mean, this could be any iranians responsibility to introduce or the culture that we have and because so many of american or western people they don't know they don't know really about iran and iranian they see whatever they they, they watch in tv or read in newspaper some of them thinking iran is a place where women are covered their faces and or the women are not allowed to drive or they don't know they don't know what's what's real iran look like what's real iran culture look like so i'm trying so hard uh, to show them what is really wrong what are the real iranian what are iranian wants this regime is not something that iranian wants this regime is not something iranian deserve iranian deserve iranian deserve much better than this.
0: What's an example of what you think of when you say, I want to show them what real Iranian culture is?
3: So first of all, let's say as an example, I introduce uh, Noruz to my coworkers. Or I I had a concert um, a couple of weeks ago for Women International Day. I invited some of my coworkers to come and see how does our music look like? And uh, any way that I can find, I try to find spot to, to do something about it.
0: So on that note, you're in Washington, D.C. You've been very active there. There was a an event in D.C. recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was this Noru's um, gathering party celebration that took place that in the aftermath became somewhat controversial because there were a lot of people wondering, you know, uh, or or unhappy with the fact that the Biden administration really hasn't been doing that much, but felt that uh, you know that it was kind of a superficial demonstration of Nowruz, and some Iranian Americans attended, and that there it wasn't really a demonstration of um, of how things could be different. Um, you were invited to that uh, that event, you didn't end up going. Had you gone, what what would you have wanted to say to the Biden administration?
3: First of all, I think. I think, I, I'm not sure if in reality it happened or not. But maybe I, I I was going to sing this or some kind of political, I mean, song. And for sure, I was going to say something. Hey, President Biden, what are you doing? Our people are suffering 44 years of this regime my people don't want you to support them because we know that's not gonna happen. Because we know this uh, human rights figure is not true. It's not real. We saw it for 44 years, especially in this past six months. People just kept saying, hey West, hey United States, please support us. And they just verbally did it. They just said, hey, y'all, we're supporting Iranian, we're supporting Iranian revolution. But in reality, they didn't do any acts. We don't want you to support us, but just not deal with this regime. This is the only thing that you're able to do in order to help Iranian. Please stop dealing with them. Please stop dealing with this brutal regime.
0: And, and I mean, you're you're not on the show as a policy analyst, but you are in, in DC and you have thought about these things and you are active there. Why does it seem like the, the, the current administration is tone deaf to the idea of um, not dealing with this regime? In other words, why are they continuing to jockey to, to do the nuclear deal or whatever?
3: Because it's in their beneficiary, because, uh, because they do it for themselves. Because imagine so many iranians are living outside iran and they they work they studied in iran they work here they brought their money here imagine in free iran so many of us want to go back so they don't want it at the other hand they're dealing with sepa they they are dealing with that regime in order to get a cheaper oil that's not going to happen anymore so and at the same time united states selling a lot of weapon to united arab or israel because of this regime being there hmm. imagine if the free iran gonna be there is not gonna happen so i don't think they don't want the free iran at all and this again this human rights figure is not true is it, to me is is absolutely lie hmm.
0: Do you think it matters who, who is in the White House? Do you think every American administration is basically going to be the same?
3: I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. I don't, I, we have to see. We have to see. <laughs>
0: you, know, you don't want to go too far in, in saying what, what you're implying, but, uh, but it, is, it is definitely, it has been disappointing um but uh um out of curiosity because you were invited to the event are you disappointed that more people didn't speak out at the white house or
3: i don't know what happened there i don't know what exactly happened there but i think if if someone said something for sure in this social media we have see something they would have told us
0: yeah exactly yeah Um, yeah It, it, it felt like uh yeah um It's a great pleasure to get to talk to you. One of the things that I've seen you in in person when I've seen you speak out, uh, um, I was in D.C. and I saw you speak, and I think when you were speaking, you talked about, and maybe I'll ask you about this before I let you go, you talked about the importance not just of unity, but the importance of embracing the diversity of Iran and Iranians. Uh, yeah. And tell tell us tell me what you've learned about maybe it's through your music perhaps about how you see Iran as a tapestry of different ethnicities and cultures from Baluchis to Kurds to Azeris to Arabs etc.
3: So, I mean, Iran is a is a country with different cultures, different languages. And uh, but during thousand and thousand years, Iran was Iran. It's, it, it was one country. Even though in past 44 years, the regime wanted to make a division between us. They wanted to say, "Hey, these are Kurds, these are Arabs, these are Baluch," and they they wanted us to not be friends and they wanted to uh, make us against each other mm-hmm. all the time. But now we know that this was the regime plan in order for themselves to stay longer, because they knew if they they just keep uh, keep doing this, they can rule more and more and more. But now we know each of those uh, parts of Iran, each of those cultures, they all love Iran and they all wanted to be united. Yeah. And I think here outside of Iran, since Iranian inside Iran cannot speak out for themselves because of all those, I mean, brutal stuff happening yeah. over there, yeah. I think this is our responsibility to keep talking about it. In these protests uh, that happening in um, Washington DC every week, sometimes I'm wearing the Baluchis mm. dress, I'm wearing the Kurdish dress because I'm Baluch, I'm Kurd, I'm Turk, I'm or Azari, I'm Arab, I I'm I'm Iranian, I'm I am a part of all of them, and all of them are part of me. And if you watch my music videos. I'm trying so hard to give this message to Iranian. We have to be united, we have to be together in order to have a free Iran, in order to have the country that all of us can live together in peace. We have to be together, we have to support each other. Doesn't matter what is my religious, doesn't matter what language I am speaking. The, the thing that is matter is I love Iran and I want free Iran as much as I know someone lives in Balochistan wants it, as much as someone lives in Azerbaijan wants it. This is something connected us together and we have to stick to it. We have to we have to keep continuing, I mean, doing this in order to get to that moment that we have the free Iran
0: beautifully said thank you thank you for your passion thank you for your prose thank you for your poems uh and it's uh, been a great pleasure to have you on the program
3: thank you so much i'm sorry if i miss the spells <laughs> <so>
0: no no, <laughs> no you were great your english is is fantastic Mandana <laughs> thank, thank you. you thank you thank you
3: so much and thank you for inviting
0: me that's <laughs> Mandana hazray in Washington, D.C. This is full time for Rook for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, for all things Rook related, you can go to our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com, where you can also support us by becoming a Patreon member. Press the support us button, please. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together, talented Anahita, Super Parisa, Smart Pega, Savvy Roha, Ajay Marathon, and sound person Louise. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already on any or all of our platforms. And find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Back on Monday with a feature, full interview with Dr. K. Mizumbashi.